so true. Like, you know, you see, that's the flawed part of us, you know. And that is that the veil of the flesh is always going to be there. And it's always up to us to push through that, that veil of the flesh, you know. And uh, the veil of the flesh is um, see, feel, taste, touch, and hear, you know, feelings. We need to push through those things because if we allow that to, to, to blind us or deafen us, then we just go about doing all those things all day long, like you say, trying to distract, trying to work harder, trying to do it harder. And God's standing on the side and he's going, but I said that you will eat from vineyards that you did not plant. You'll drink from wells that you did not dig, and you'll live in homes that you did not build. Now, he's saying, what is he actually saying? He's saying that there's a way that I will establish you in this life, you know. But our job is simply to constantly push past that flesh. Push past that flesh. Because you can get delivered from a a, a crazy (laughs) mother-in-law. You can get delivered from a demon. (laughs) Or a demon can be delivered out of you, but you cannot get delivered, you cannot have your flesh delivered, let's put it that way. Your flesh is something that's going to be there forever, you know? So until we, until that blessed hope, the day that we have the full redemption of our body, of our, our um, glorious body, we're going to have to deal with it, yeah. you know? So we have two choices. We can either, um, like we were saying last week, it's our choice, we can either exist in that, that that lower level of life and battle through, or we can push through, renew the mind, and go into that flow and that stream of God's, you know, where um, when we get to 60, 70, we're not falling in the big hole that, uh, what's his name was talking about? Tussle was talking about, you know? Crazy, crazy stuff. And you won't believe how that hole hits people, eh? Um, it's a big thing, guys. It's a, it's a big thing. So it's good, it's good to practice Practice pushing through the flesh now. But it's crazy. I don't know. The older guys, uh, David, ST, a little bit. No, no, no. No, sorry. Sorry. Uh, Auntie Levinian will know those days. Auntie Shaman, you'll know. Remember those those um, those love novels? What was that? What the was one with the, always the, the topless not, dude with the long flowing hair. Yes, all that, yes, those, yes. Those yeah, what? what were they called? <laughs> but there were, I think it was the one that one author she wrote like most of them those romantic uh, can you remember those Daniel Steele that's the one yes Mills and Moon let me tell you something guys all the, all the ladies, when I was about 15, 17, you'd go to their homes, there would be boxes. Yeah. They had gone through those things, and you would, I used to ask them, how many? I've read all of them. Like, what? And all those romantic novels or whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, that stuff pollutes the idea, pollutes the idea of what real romance actually is, you know? You know, the Bible tells us, and in the Greek, you've got, three, you've got different kinds of love, you know. But there's only one love that is, uh, that is the unconditional kind of love. And what happens is we, we base all our, we, you know, the old saying that whatever fires together, wires together. So you firing and wiring emotions and thoughts that are all rooted in what am I going to get out of it? 
Are you with me? So you, you're reading all these uh, these romantic novels, and it's it's all appealing to your feelings, your insatiable lusts, or your ideas of how I'm going to get that feeling. You know, and the Bible uh, says we've got to be very careful of that because that's eros love. In the Greek, that's erotic love. You know, but that's a lower level love to phileo love. Phileo love is a brotherly love. It's, an, it's, an, it's an, a service and an understanding. But that's even a lower level than the God kind of love, which is agape love. It's unconditional love. There's no strings attached. There's no codependency in the transaction. It's simply unconditional. I see your value. You see my value. And that's how we partake, you know, and give. And uh, that's why Tasso, I think he was getting so frustrated because he also has to deal with people that he's known for so long that, that are not doing the hard work to sort out those emotions, you know? Yeah. Sure. You want to read it over here so everyone can hear you? Sorry, it's just a beautiful definition of agape love. It's in the King James Bible. And it says it's a word to which Christianity gave new meaning. Outside of the New Testament, it rarely occurs in existing Greek manuscripts of the period. Agape denotes an undefeatable benevolence, an unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return, and does not consider the worth of its object. Agape is more a love by choice than philos, which is love by chance, and it refers to the will, to the choice, rather than the emotion. Agape describes the unconditional love God has for the world. That is beautiful. Praise God. Praise God. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. We, and you know, part of that hard work, Vash, is we, we, we always have to, you know, no matter whatever feeling or thought that's going through our heart, we always, we have to assess it, guys. We can't just let the stuff run through us. You know what I'm saying? We're not just, um, I don't know, what, some number, some one or zero in the field. You know what I'm saying? We, we have the responsibility to think about what we're thinking about. We have the responsibility to, um, to uh, process the feeling of what we're thinking about. You know what I'm saying? We, we can't just let the stuff go through us. And there's, there's a real, real caution that is, you know, is put there by the scripture that we just can't let anything into our faith gates, which is our eyes and our ears, you know? So, so the thing is that we have, to, we have to be responsible for that. Nobody can be responsible for that except us. We, are the, um, we have the free will to determine what goes in, and in our hearts. You know? But how, how many times during the day do you actually connect with your heart? I was speaking to a couple. The reason why the marriage thing came up is because I was actually dealing with a couple on last week sometime. And uh, two couples, and uh, the one is reborn Christian, and the other one is Catholic. Because <laughs> it doesn't work. Eh? I'm telling you, it doesn't work. So the guy that, the, in this one situation, the one guy is Catholic, 
okay? And well, not one guy. This was a girl and a guy, okay? <laughs> I'm not counseling those kinds of <laughs> relationships. There is a way to counsel. No, no, no. But anyway. Yeah. So, so I'm speaking to him and I'm, and I'm trying to explain to his heart. And, and, and his fiance is like, yes, exactly. That's, the, that's how the heart works. And he looks at me and he's like, uh, but I don't understand how, how that, how, how I do that. I don't understand how the heart works. You must understand. Then he looks at his girlfriend and, he's, and he goes, his fiance goes, well, you know what? You just got to forgive me. That's who I am. And I'm like, excuse me, buddy. I was like, do you think you're going to use that one year and get away with this? You just asked this per- person to marry you. It doesn't work like that. So you understand what I'm saying? How can somebody who is dead in their spirit be connected to somebody who is, I want to, I have a vision for my life. I have a vision for my own heart, how I must function and be according to Jesus. I have a vision for how my house must be run. I have a vision for my children, how I want my children to grow up, how I want them to think, how I want them to believe in God and live their lives. But your partner is not even on the same page. How many of you guys know that that's going to give you the big D eventually? Are you with me? There's two options there. Either you're going to get divorced or you're going to succumb to the pressure of that person just to become a peacekeeper. And the Bible says you haven't been called to be a peacekeeper. It says you've been called to be a peacemaker. Keeping the peace is, it's tolerating and it's, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? What's the right word? Uh, compromising. But making the peace is bringing everybody to the truth in that situation and then the truth governs. Are you with me? So we have to make sure, guys, we, we got to think about who we are as people, because we are the ones that are going to create the atmosphere, the environment in all our relationships, in our, in our homes, for our children, for our husbands, for our wives. Are you with me? The buck starts and stops with us. You know? So we have to make the decision, see the value in, in being the person Christ has called us to be as an individual. And then life flows from that place. You know, but we have to make that choice. You've got to see the value. We can sit up here. We can come and pray for you. We can do a 24-hour prayer meeting. We can take you on a tour through Israel. We can go visit the tomb. We can do all these things that you, but if you don't see the value in the word changing you as an individual, because you've got to see the value. You've got to go. You've got to be like, this is so precious to me. And it can't be precious to me there or there. It has to be precious to me Yeah. How do I process all my feelings through it? How do I process my actual view of myself through it? My worldview, how I approach the world must be processed through it. This is the truth. Are you with me? And what, are the script, what does the scripture say about truth? It's the only thing that can set us free. Free from what? Self, you. You know, you are your biggest problem. Today, me and JR are sitting here right now. JR is turning fifth. No, no, no. I was just joking. I was just kidding. You said 
27. JR is the sum of 27. Today, he is the sum of 27 years of decisions. Are you with me? I am the sum of 28 years of decisions. <laughs> David, you the same age as me, 28 now, eh? yeah. So, 21 years of decision making. Are, are you guys with me? It's your, it's your decision, it's our decisions. You know, the scripture says that we have to become wise, skillful decision makers. So, to become a wise, skillful decision maker, it takes some practice. It takes some, because you must remember, what influences your decisions? How do you eventually make a decision? What is the, the final deci the, the decision that you make on something? What, what is the, the different parts in the, in the what's the right word? Uh, the, different the different mechanisms that work together to make that decision. Well, the, the world will work on just pros and cons. But to become a wise, skillful decision maker is first of all, you've got to check what you believe who you are, okay? Who am I in Christ, number one? Because how, who I am in Christ is going to determine whether I make a decision based on value for me and people, or is it a decision based on how much money I'm getting out of this? Are you, are you with me? So what is your, first of all, what is your value? Because you can only live a life according to the level of your self-worth. Then it, so it's your belief systems, okay? Then you're going to have to deal with feelings. And then you're going to have to deal with pros and cons. But all the pros and cons and all the feelings have to come through the value of who I am in this world. Are you with me? Because I don't make a decision under my value. And then it's a case of, okay, Holy Spirit, now that I've put all the stuff into the right compartments because it must be filtered through my value, now you can lead me. Show me where life is or where death is. Not wrong or right. Lead me into life now. I don't need to know wrong or right because I already know my value in the situation. I just need you to lead me into life. Are you with me? Absolutely. We never, ever make a decision out of desperation, eh? Never. No matter how hot it is, girls. <laughs> Yo, check out Auntie Livy laughter. Yeah. <laughs> but look, it's it's also the, the the importance of being free, guys. Um, you know, truth is not just knowledge. Truth is a person. Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and. The reason why it exists in those two dimensions is because you only have two options to provide for yourself in life. It's you or God. That's it, right? No, but the scripture says God or mammon. Mammon is self, okay? So <clears throat> it is the flesh, right? So the thing is this, is that if you are not 
free of the pressure, you will never be able to make a good decision. Never. You will not. And we have many times, people come to us, I need to make this decision now. It's like, okay, well, throw the dice. Let's see what happens, you know? It's like, no, there, there's so much to be considered in there. What are you saying? Before we even get to, because you see, the principle is, the answer is easy. The Holy Spirit is there at step one, not step 100 after you finish all of this. He's there at step one. But the problem is, when we come to evaluating these decisions and what we want to do, they're all tangled up in ourselves being the source with this. So we create the weight for ourselves that if I don't choose this way, I'm going to lose out all of this. If I don't choose that way, I'm going to lose out all of that. Are you with me? And that's what creates the conflict that ultimately takes our peace away. Once the peace is gone, the Holy Spirit can use his voice itself. We still won't hear it. He can tell Pasiri on Sunday, listen, someone here wants to decide about this, tell them no. Pasiri goes, okay, is there someone here like this? Pastor's like, that's me. I said, God says, don't do that. But I decided yesterday. Oh, man. (laughs) Are you with me? So, and, and it's important what we're talking about this, Levin, because guys, every single one of us should be getting a sense of the accountability that we have for our own lives. Are you with me? Now, the way that's been taught before is always, oh, God's gonna judge you on that day. You better make sure your life's worth something. No, all those messages have no idea what the gospel says, okay? Because you're sealed. You're in Christ. Don't worry. Not a stress, right? But if you walk without an accountability in this life here, you're going to be going from chaos to chaos. You with me? I mean, you said it on Sunday where we need to decide the quality of life we want to settle for. We could just be like the rest of the world that are sensory beings, and we're just living from feeling to feeling every day from the next thing to the next thing. But that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to uh, uh, experience his quality of life. Are you with me? So when we're talking about making decisions, we need to be conscious of what is happening in our own heart before we even think about making that decision. Because immediately what happens is because, especially if you aren't uh, um, used to resisting the flesh, right? you are always going to make the decision that serves you. And that decision will not be made in truth. It will be made because you're only going to make it whether or not it serves you. Are you with me? Yeah, I just want to give you an example of what you just said now. Is that it was about a year, no, two years ago when we were doing discipleship school. And uh, we were ending off the session and there was a lady sitting in the second row. She was coming, Charmaine, Charmaine jo- uh, Jarman. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, as, as, as I closed my eyes, I was praying, and the Holy Spirit showed me a car. And he said, somebody wants to buy a car. <clears throat> uh, somebody wants to sell a car. And I was like, okay. I was like, guys, anyone here wants to sell a car? And nobody answered, nobody answered. And I knew, yes, now somebody here is like desperate to sell a car. And then um, she put up her hand. She said, it's me, it's me. I, I, I'm about to sell my car. I'm about to basically give it away for a price that it's less less than worth, you know, it's worth. And uh, I said to her, the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. She's like, but I've already got the buyer, I've already got, I said, Holy Spirit said, don't do it. Do you know there was, I think eight months later, somebody blessed her with a brand new car. And that car was able to be used for some someone else in the family. 
Huh? You want to rush out because you're under pressure and you want to do anything. You know why? It's because you're the sauce. You, you, all you are is tomato sauce. Okay. Worcestershire sauce. Okay. I might be chutney, you might be tomato sauce, but he's the real sauce. Yeah. He's raw sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. We don't ever want to. We don't want to ever rush, guys. And whenever you are panicking or or rushing, you know it's not from God. It's from you. You know why? Because you can't see the outcome. You have to recline in him and see his perspective. When you can see what he sees, there's absolute peace. doesn't matter what it is. And you know, some people think that uh, um, certain decisions, okay, need more prayer than others. Rubbish. God didn't design you to always, every time you needed to make a decision, go lock yourself in the room for five hours and pray. Are you with me? God didn't decide. Actually, the moment that thing comes in your heart, you already know. The problem is, religious Christians are going, yeah, yeah, you know what, I'll just put that aside. I'll go and pray about it five hours from now when I get home from work or whatever. If you just in that moment, just listen to it, listen to the Holy Spirit, process the thing, I promise you, you'll already have 80% of the answer. You don't have to always go and have a divine appointment in your bedroom. We've got to get to the reality that God is in us, guys. He's not waiting in the prayer room. That's right. He's not waiting at church on a Sunday. He's inside of us. He's one spirit with us. Yep. Are you with me? So if we can just, if we can learn to flow with God, that's how your heart was designed, eh? You weren't designed to, to put, on a, put on a gown and go sit in, on the mountains, shave your head like this, sit in the mountains and do kata. <laughs> No, you, you weren't designed to do that stuff with a bell ringing and a, some charms. Are you with me? <laughs> you weren't designed for that. You were designed to live in God while you're driving, while you're at work, in the boardroom, when you need to make decisions, on the phone with a customer, right there with your wife or your husband right now. Your child is doing something wrong or you, it's bothering you. You can't tell your kid, stop, let me go pray quickly. I need to find out. You can't stop life. You need to flow with life. Are you with me? Christians have got such a bad idea of this walk with God. It's all about, you know, I've got to do my best. I've got to walk on eggshells. I've got to be perfect. And then prayer time, everything will get sorted out. That's a works-based mentality. Amen? I don't know about you guys, but I need to flow with God all day long. Amen? Amen? But, but you see, everyone has like this weird picture. And you know why, like, like what you're saying now, where we've become so distorted in walking with God is because every moment of every day, we are giving the affections of our heart, the affections of our heart to inanimate objects. We're giving it to a salary. We're giving it to a car. We're giving it to a relationship. We're giving it to all these things. So when we come to try and connect with God, we still want an inanimate object. That's why God sent the 10 for the Israelites. They didn't want him. They didn't. That's why he sent the 10. He's like, okay, Moses, they don't want me, but I did promise I would make them holy. So they must live according to this, and they will be set apart from all the other nations, right? In the way they live, right? But God's calling us to say, listen, walk with me. Walk with me. You know, everywhere in the Bible, up until Jesus, 
right? It was God, Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh, all these things, right? Gets to Jesus, and Jesus says, Father, right? Immediately, he creates the picture of connection. Are you with me? He creates the picture of connection. So this, this idea that we have, and, and, it, and it's something uh, uh, many of us are still very unconscious of, is that we don't know what's driving us. We don't know why we, we, we're choosing what we're choosing, right? We just know it's what we're used to and we're going to keep going because it's worked, right? Jesus didn't say it doesn't work. He just said it's not good enough. There's a huge difference between that. Because you can go to a destination, cycling, walking, by car, flying, whatever it's going to be, right? But you will not be able to choose what the best way is unless it is given to you by someone who is perfect. You see, the best way is not the way it serves you. That's not the best way. That's what the Bible calls sin, right? The best way is the way that the perfect one has prescribed. Are you with me? And unfortunately, along the way, I mean, we were talking about it, was it last week? You know, we were talking about how, uh, especially in relationships, where, you know, when, when, uh, when you're waiting and you're experimenting and, you know, you, you're messing around and, you know, you're doing all these things, at that point in time, especially young people, they think, oh, i got time, don't worry, all this stuff. But unfortunately, the damage that is being done to your own heart, right, when that opportunity comes for a godly relationship, you're, not, you're just going to overlook it or you're going to destroy it. Are you with me? And that's not just in relationships. That's in any area in life. You see, the more that you, you, you continue pursuing your own way, the more that you continue being your own source, when God is trying to lead you to something that is good, that is wholesome, that is from him, you're going to self-destruct. Are you with me? And that's the accountability we're talking about tonight. We don't want to be those people that when God gives us the opportunity, that we look at it and be like, what? That's mental. I'm never going to take that. How does that help me? Are you with me? We need to be those people that are flowing with God every day, every moment. Not people stuck on what we can see, what we can hear, what we can smell, taste, touch. We can't be those kind of people like we've mentioned. That's what the Bible calls a carnal Christian. Carnal Christian is not a Christian who's sinning. A carnal Christian is a Christian who's trying to satisfy the peace, the, the need for peace in their heart with their five senses. You know, the other day I was thinking, you know how um, they say that uh, the biggest problem of this generation is dopamine, right? Yeah. Because we've got social media, we've got entertainment, we've got all these things, instant, instant, instant. You know, so there's always instant gratification, any moment, any day, from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep, right? But imagine if you could experience pleasure that wouldn't break the dopamine receptors in your brain. Don't you think that's something you'd be addicted to? Because at this point in time, all the dopamine uh, um, dumps that are happening daily, the, the psychologist is already saying, listen, all the brains are finished. There's no hope. This is why attention spans are like five seconds now, as opposed to three minutes a couple of years ago. Are you with me? That's but, why you know, the island boys are so, so famous. That's why they're so famous, dude. I mean, it's just like, it's because it's, it's 25 million people can be like, wow, this is funny. I'm like, really? Is it funny? Like, you know? But, but you see, our fulfillment was never meant to be carnal. Our pleasure, our peace, our wisdom, our joy 
was never meant to be carnal. And in that way, the more we experience God, we would never abuse ourselves or someone else to get any of it. You see, because instead of God being our all-consuming fire, we're living in a world system that has trained us to either consume people or consume yourself. Are you with me? Think about basic relationships. They become so dysfunctional. It's like, oh, I can't live without you. Really? Are you sure? Were you dead before I showed up? Like, I mean, really? Like, you know? It's like, no, I need to see you. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, now the thing, I'm not, okay, I'm not being facetious in the sense of, yeah, don't be clingy, and that's not what I'm talking about, but there's a level where it gets unhealthy, where people just start getting consumed by each other because they have such a desperate need for all these things to keep firing. You see, our physical faculties have been abused to the point where they don't even function anymore. You look at substance abuse, you look at all this crazy stuff, guys. People say, ah, oh, drugs are bad. No, drugs aren't bad. What's bad is God's not in your heart. Guns are bad. No, guns, nothing wrong with guns. It's because God's not in your heart. Music is bad. No, it's because God's not in your heart. Because you need to perverse, pervert every single natural thing to keep satisfying a desire that only God can fulfill. Well said. There cannot be anything evil in the world. Crystal meth is evil. Okay, but if no one took it, would it be evil? Imagine. Yeah, strip clubs are bad, but imagine if no one went. God's logic. Oh my gosh. Parliament has meetings every day about how they're going to stop gender-based violence. Hmm. What, you want to chop off all the hands? I don't know. What do you want to do? Maybe if we just put God in people's hearts... They would love each other. They have a solution. That is to turn all the women into men so they can fight back. <laughs> Joke's on you, Christine. I identify as a woman. No, I'm kidding. Are you, are you guys understanding how the logic of God is the key to harmony in this life? If you have any anchor in anything natural in this world to bring you peace, you're a sitting duck. Because whatever that thing is, you will be manipulated. You will be held ransom. Your very life will be held against you for that thing. Are you guys with me? And this is what Jesus came to call us out of. He came to say, guys, I get it. Your heart's broken. I got you. Come to me. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart that operates so high above the entire system of this world that you'll walk in a peace and a freedom that nothing in this world can give you. Are you guys with me? That's what Jesus came to give us. He didn't come to fix our problems because he knew, he knew if he fixes the heart, all the problems get fixed. Think about, think about and, and we were talking about this on the weekend, where we, we were going through some really, really old worship music, right? Now, those of you who've been saved for a while, okay, um, you, would have fo- you would have followed worship music and how it's progressed over the years, right? And you, you specifically go and read the lyrics, okay? I'm talking not even, like 10 years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago. You go and read the lyrics of worship music. They were verbatim Bible verses. That's it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. People used to sing that in church. 
Move to today's Christian music, right? You look at how confused this generation of worshipers are because the words they're reading in the Bible don't line up with the songs that they're singing. See, because the Bible says that in Christ we're more than overcomers. But then we sing worship songs about, I'm going to fight on my knees. Okay, but why are you fighting? What are you fighting? Oh, you'll do it again. What, what is it done? The work is finished. Hello? This is how I fight my battles. Okay, but, but hold on. What are you fighting? The fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God means it's over. The victory is won. The enemy is defeated. Are you guys with me? You know? Yeah. If these rocks are praising, then so will I. No, what are you saying? That's got nothing to do with what that scripture means. Are you with me? And it's because people are trying to be carnal in connecting with God. That's why. It's because his word has not become enough anymore because they're not putting it in their heart. They're looking to get some weird sensation from it. Let me tell you, the only sensation that you should get physically when you read the Bible is death. Because you die to your emotions. I don't care how I feel. This is what the word says. You die to your guilt and your condemnation. I don't care because this is what the word says. You die to your fear because this is what the word says. Are you with me? That's the only physical sensation that you must get from reading the Bible. Is that all your flesh must die. Because you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Amen? Ash, you had a question about 11. Go to Matthew 16, 5, please. And I'll show you how dangerous the leaven actually is. Because you see, the other problem is, Christians are trying so hard day and night to get saved. They don't even get to this level that we're talking about here, guys. They don't. They're just like, Lord, bless me. Lord, stop cursing me. Lord, kill the devil for me. I don't know what else they're they beseeching the Lord for. 16.5. You there? Okay, so now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Okay. Now, before all of you overreact, Jesus is not making a mountain out of a molehill here, okay? It's not a storm in a teacup. Hang tight. So they forgot to take bread, okay? You going? Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we've taken no bread? Are they confused? We're like, yo, boss, we just said we forgot to take bread. Now you're talking about leaven, Pharisees, Sadducees. What are you talking about? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith. Okay, don't get religious on us here. Hold on. Why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? So he's addressing them. But listen to what he says. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to be, uh, to tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
Now let's break this down for a second, right? Okay, I know. Let, let, let's say we're better than the disciples, hypothetically. Okay, let's say we're in a better position, right? You just saw Jesus feed 5,000 men. So let's go 15,000 and 12,000, okay, at a minimum, all right? The 5,000 and the 4,000 that the Bible talks about. If you saw that with your own eyes, okay, and let's say now you're on the boat, you're, on the, you're, on to the next, you're getting hungry, get off the boat, cool. Do you think a better idea would be, hey, let's find a spaza shop, we'll buy bread, white bread, sliced, no problem. Or would a better thing have been to say, we just saw this bra feed 15,000 people and 12,000 people. Why must we go pay for bread? Can you see what Jesus was emphasizing here? It seems like a pointless, trivial thing, right? But they just witnessed him feeding all these people from nothing. He just said, Father, bless this bread, and boom, everyone ate more than enough. Yet when they get to the other side, their immediate reaction is, let's make a plan to get bread. That's the leaven. That's the leaven. They witnessed with their own eyes. And he took the tiniest opportunity because scripture tells us, Galatians, Romans, where Paul says, beware for a little leaven, leaven the entire lump. That's how it's designed. It spreads. Now he took this opportunity here to come down in seemingly what is hard on the disciples. Because you, you saw the reaction. is like, is this because we, we wanted to get bread? Does he want us to fast? I don't know. Should we not eat today? What, what, what should we do? And Peter's like, John, dude, ask him. You're close with him. Ask him what's his story, you know? Can you see the principle Jesus is talking about here? He's pointing out to them that their leaven is absolutely no consciousness of him. The bread of life himself is walking with you. You say, Lord, wait, I'm going to get Albany. I'm coming now. <laughs> then you get there. Their willies can have one gluten-free, one Albany, one Sunbake, Sesco Sam, all that stuff. Can you see what he's pointing out, guys? Is that immediately they restricted provision to completely natural. You guys need to chew on this. This is a massive principle. But, but we are more accountable because he's not walking next to us. <laughs> he's exactly. walking in us. Exactly. He is one with our spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.10 He is one spirit with us. Therefore, we don't even have the, we don't even have the right to say, hey, uh, should we go get bread? What do you mean? <laughs> no, we have to go inside and go, Lord, Lord Am I hearing you right? Yeah. Lord, do I, what, what, when? That's, that's what he's, see, Jesus is not trying to get something from you. He's trying to give you something. He's trying to, he's trying to give us his ability. That's what the grace is. Grace is God's ability in our life. Exactly. And has anything changed? No, because what was the first thing they did in the Garden of Eden, guys? 
As soon as they realized they were naked, they didn't go back to him and say, Father, we've sinned, help us, show us, whatever. What's the first thing they did? Adam was, he must have been Afrikaans, because he said, Muni worry, baby, I'm going to plan mark you so. I'm going to go to fig leaves, what? I'm make you a lekker bikini. So they take, we take, we take, you see, every time you see figs in the Bible, what does it mean? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is leaven. So that's what they did. They were trying to go now once again and do it in their own strength instead of just surrendering. Imagine Adam just surrendered right there in the garden. He just, he just, he's like, <laughs> we're not moving. Something's changed. We are waiting right here. He's like, no, we need to run. Don't you move with me. <laughs> Don't you dare move. We are waiting right here. If he just did that. <laughs> no, but you know what she would have said to him? You're the man of the house. Yeah. You can't just not make a decision. Make one now. I need to know what I'm cooking tonight. So yes, so yes, Adam. Adam's like, fine, I'll make a decision. This woman, you put here with me. You see what she did? Yes, see. But, but even with the bread scenario, they decided how they would eat. They didn't even need to get the bread from Jesus. What they needed to do was say, Master, what are we to do next? And Jesus could have said, here, here's another basket. Everyone eat. Or Jesus could have said, all right, go into this town, speak to this, speak to this. See, the principle is that the way that we ought to do things must come from him. That's the principle. That is the only way that will not consume you. Everything else in this life will destroy you. Promise you. Guys, I don't care how pretty she is. She'll chow you, Sonny. I'm telling you, you must make sure she's from God. Hey, hey, Ladies, same one. Don't worry. All that spirit, they go away. Don't worry. Yeah. All that spirit, they go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just, they accumulate, you know. They it's amazing. They usually go away like six months after they've married the chick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, can you, can you understand the principle that Jesus is trying to point out here? I mean, another time in the Bible, they come to him, Lord, we need the temple tax. Now, previously, he probably would have told them, listen, just take it out of the purse, whatever, go pay it. It's fine. And then one time he says to them, all right, go down to the, the lake, cast your line, there's a fish there, there's a coin, go take it, pay the temple tax. Now, now here's the thing. God is not being tedious by doing this. Right? Everything that God is doing in the scriptures, right, was for a purpose. Do you think that God told Abraham, take the son that I gave you, take him up the mountain and sacrifice him? You think he did that for fun? You think he did it because he's like, hmm, I'm a God, let me be difficult, yeah. No. He did that to illustrate the weight of what Jesus was going to come and do. Even after that, he said to Abraham, now I know I can trust you. Do you guys understand? And even in being obedient to God, we still want to serve ourselves, and we get upset when he tells us to do something. We're like, oh, really, God, really? Because in our hearts, we have not persuaded ourselves that everything that God has for us is good for us. I mean, we've had it how many times over the years? Since youth days. Pastor, I think we want to start dating. Listen, guys, this is a good idea. We think this is a good idea. Take it easy. 
guesses. Our, our thing of easy was like one or two years. No, they're one week. Choops. We're like, huh? Then it's, it's a mess. Because you see, God advising, take time to build this thing so it lasts, is less valuable to us than the carnal satisfaction we can get. And then we wonder why every day we wake up confused and condemned and guilty and hopeless and stressed out. It's because we tasted the little physical carnal satisfaction, but it cost us a very, very deep cut in our hearts. I'm sorry, guys. This is the consequence of our decisions. People want the wrath of God to come down on people. Do you think the consequence of sin is not wrath enough? Think about it. Have you seen people in the consequences of their sin? Have you seen the kind of lives that they live? Some of them are begging to please die, but they can't die because they've got such guilt and condemnation in their heart, they know the flames of hell are waiting for them. They're so condemned and written off that they can't even appeal to God because they think God's judging them. Yet this is how we have abused ourselves for years and years and years because of how we've been taught. Yet, here in front of us, there lies a better way but we refuse to commit to it. We must, we, we'll choose to commit to it to, you know, only what's palatable, you know. Yeah, uh, seven, no, nah, I think today I'll just do one. You know, it's cool. Level five, yeah, maybe level three today. You know, oh, it's cool. Why are we so quick to forfeit value? Because that agape love that you read about there, Mel, that agape love is something that is estranged to us. Man, you know, once you taste the love of God, oh, my goodness. You can't get enough of it, guys. I'm telling you. One of the other commentaries I read, it said that it is a love that is solely focused on the benefit of the one that it is beholding. Do you know what that means? It means that God is solely focused on your benefit. So, logically speaking, the only way that we would doubt that or well, the only way that we wouldn't take God's instruction seriously is if we doubt that. Is if we don't believe that. And you know what's funny? In the process of your heart being persuaded, do you know what you need to do? When you want to go the other direction but God says go this way, you need to say, Lord, I know that way is good. I don't care about anything else. I know that way is good because you love me. You are good to me. You are a loving father. So I'm going that way. Even though I'm not completely convinced, I know I'm going that way. Because it is for my good. Are you guys with me? So even in these principles, these Christian principles, seek first the kingdom. Some people think like seeking first the kingdom is like, yeah, as long as I just think about God, it's fine. No. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Touch base. They just want to touch yeah, base. Yeah, I just want to touch base. God like, will touch base at lunchtime. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a project management meeting, yeah. you know? Call God in. We're seeking first the kingdom now, guys. Jesus. Forza. Yeah. All right. Let the minutes reflect Jesus attended this meeting. Uh, Jesus just giving an update. We're at Milestone 3 right now. So uh, the fact that you're here, you're acknowledging that we're seeking your kingdom. All right. Thanks. Meeting adjourned. We'll see you guys next week. It's cool. All right? It doesn't work like that, guys. It doesn't work like that. And the fact... That you need to persuade yourself 
that this is what God wants for you. It's probably a good indicator that you're not in the right direction. Because let me tell you, when God leads you, you know. The fact that you have to start those little negotiations in your heart to serve yourself, you must know immediately you are in the flesh, you are not in the spirit. Because you see, in your decision-making self-service, in your daily life, forget decision-making, self-service must not be something that's there. Because you died. How can you serve something that's, that's dead? Are we starting ancestral worship now? No, we're not going to do that. Are you guys with me? We're going to do grave sucking. <laughs> no, we're not going to do grave sucking. Did you know? That's not what we're going to do. <laughs> you guys heard of grave sucking there, but anyway, no. Yes, that was hilarious. Have you heard of grave sucking? So basically, there's this very famous church in California, Reading. Right? Do you want to give the street name and address as well? Got a massive music industry. It is an industry. It's not a ministry. Anyway, so there's this thing that happened in the Supernatural School of Ministry that they go and lie on the graves of dead pastors and heroes in the faith and stuff, and then they suck up their anointing. Whatever. But now here's the thing. Let's yeah, talk about... 80% of their songs you listen to in your car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Completely. Completely. They're the same people who are saying, come Holy Spirit. Where? Come where? He's, he's here. Well, where just, is he going to come? Just go back to the story you read. I mean, <laughs> they asked if they should go buy bread, but the bread of life was there. They're sucking the grave, but the Holy Spirit's inside of them. How? Think about this, guys. I'm pretty sure sand is not good for your teeth. <laughs> anyway. So, listen, guys, and that's just one of the horror stories. Listen, if you go far enough and you go and see what these massive ministries that are so carnally driven are doing, you're going to find every form of corruption, guys. I'm telling you. Whether it's hitting people with coats, whether it's making things fall from the ceiling, whether it, whatever it is, all of these physical <laughs> carnal things exist because no one's connecting with God in their heart. What, what, what are you? No, I was what? just thinking of that act that was pouring the coke on them. Remember, remember the guy with the coke? Yeah, down the road, yeah. yeah. And the guy was making them eat grass. And doom? What about doom? Are you spraying them with doom? Spraying them with doom? Speak about a prophet of doom, man. That's nothing. There's a, listen, guys. <laughs> hey, there's another clown down the road over here. What's his name? No, okay. That's a bit close to home. But anyway, he's another one who says, listen, I'm a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord has given me authority to come and astral travel into your room to watch you sin. I'm like, bruh, I don't know what methylated spirits you are smoking. Okay? But please, stop talking. Because, listen, this is what these guys are getting up to. And if you are caught up in self-service, you're going to be caught up with them. You know why? Because it's the same yoke. It's what your heart is looking for. I just, I just want to ask you guys, here's a practical thing. What, what is leading the body of Christ, okay, to get to the place where we are grave-sucking? What is leading us to get to the place where we now want to ma manipulate astral travel for, uh, for the work of the Lord? What is getting us to the place for all this stuff? Can anyone answer that question? <coughs> is that we are chasing that feeling of righteousness, of being 
used by God or being a supernatural minister of God or it's still that self-serving thing that we need to feel. So it's like a drug. So prayer and God's, and God's word is not enough. It hasn't settled in your heart. You have to you have to get another hit. You know, Pastor, Pastor Bash didn't, uh, when he prayed for me, I didn't feel anything. I'm going to go to Pastor Diddy. Pastor Diddy's got, he's 10 years older than Bash. Uh, nothing happened when Pastor Diddy prayed. I'm going to Pastor Tassel. Tassel didn't. I'm, we're going to a Benny Hinn conference next week. Are you with me? And it's, it, it doesn't end. Guys, it doesn't end because they haven't made this real in the heart. This is, the, this is the only thing that's going to sustain you. But is this really there? Are you with me? It doesn't stop. Now you're a pastor of 500. It's not enough. You have to be a pastor of 5,000. And you will now begin using world marketing to get them in here. Are you with me? Bringing in the big singers and the big bands and the big speakers and this and this and that until you get the five. Then the 5,000 is not enough. Then you have to be what? A bishop of the whole town, the whole city. And you have to, you must understand, it's, it's insatiable. Uh, uh, um, you'll never be satisfied unless Jesus satisfies you. If Jesus is not enough, guys, it's, it's game over. Make the decision now and say, you know what? It's not for me. Christianity is not for me. I'm going to go and satisfy myself. Because there's nothing worse than, than coming into the church and now you manipulate the word of God and God himself, or you think you can, to get all those feelings and that, that lack fulfilled your way. You're, you're in for serious, serious trouble. Now you want to become, sorry, I'll come to you now, Lillian. Now you want to become a pastor. Then you get up here, and now you're a pastor because you're looking for that, I've got to feel like I'm something, you know? It's the next level there. Now the Bible says, now you're standing up here and teaching. He says, but you'll be more accountable if you're a teacher. You, you, you've got to understand, this is, it's craziness. We're watching the church go crazy. The church is going mad. Why? Because the church has become about me, myself, and I. Name one thing that you hear off a platform in a modern-day church that's not about self. What do you get taught to do for fasting? Fasting is for what? For you to have a breakthrough. Not for you to connect more with God. It's for you to hear a financial breakthrough. Tithing. Give so that you can hit the jackpot. Open the floodgates, brother. Yeah, open the floodgates. Yeah, pray. Pray. Write down exactly what you want. The car, how many K's on the clock, um, uh, what color the wheels must be. So prayer is even just about us. Do you know that <laughs> the old school Christians, man, these oaks, we've got to go do some studies on them. Because nothing was for what they're going to get out of it. It was, I gave you my life. If you call me to go there and preach to that king and he's going to cut my head off, I'm going. Because you are more value than anything else. This is true Christianity. You, you know, you talk about that, the early Christians, right? I saw a video. Because, uh, you know, in James it says, my brothers counted all joy when you, you encounter persecution. You know, all this stuff. So this guy goes on to explain, if you're feeling down today, count it all joy. This persecution. I'm like, bruh. 
Are you mental? There what James was talking about, these guys were getting arrested. They get chained in the middle of the, the marketplace for weeks on end because they were talking about Jesus. These guys would get thrown in prison because they were meeting together. They would use Christians to light up the cities. They would set them alight at night and use them as streetlights. Yet these clowns today are saying, yeah, that Monday morning tribulation, please. Lord have mercy. But how pathetic. This carnal, sensory nonsense. Right now, we have some of the, right now, guys, we have some of the biggest pastors of the biggest churches flying back from guess where they were the last two weeks. Mm. Yeah, pastors. Davos, sitting with Klaus Schwab. W-E-F. I'm telling you, some of the biggest biggest why because just doing what god called them to do and just being who called called them to be is not enough now they've gotten to the point where they're actually sitting with a bunch of elitists who are deciding how they're going to run the world they have to be connected to those guys are you with me it's crazy guys the church is in trouble it's in trouble it's in trouble. We always say that we most, most of us are always living in the wrong neighborhood. As your manhood, you must get into the godhood. Yeah. Amen. That's where the street cred is. Yeah. That's cred, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want to do a cool exercise quickly? Okay. Is anyone that wants to just yeah, add, sorry. add? Question, comments, anything? Before we start praying for it. Happiness? Oh, well, okay. they're going to have questions after this. That's for sure. Oh, okay. okay. All right, everyone put your hands in your lap. Don't worry, we're not going into like some deep end. Yeah, Linda's already, Linda's like. <laughs> okay, look at me. All right. I want you to start thinking about your favorite song. Okay, can you hear the, can you hear the vocal? You hear that cool instrument? Maybe it's a guitar, maybe it's a drum kit. Can you guys hear it? Oh, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, whole band, every, what song is it, James? Yeah, what song is it? Different musics? Grant, what, what do you got? <laughs> okay, who's got one song that they can, they can offer up? Zoe? Mamma Mia? There I go again. Ash, what did you have? Home and now I'm six feet from the... Okay, cool, that's pretty cool. Jer? Ekvel, no, Ace? No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> That's Adley's number, actually. That's Adley's number. <clears throat> Do you, did you guys just realize that you proved you don't need your ears to hear? Communion? Okay, cool. Candace? Gangnam Style. No, I'm kidding. Kalagata. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? You guys didn't need your ear. No music was playing, but all of you heard the song. Oh, look at you. Casanova, wow. <laughs> good song, though. Very good song. All right, everyone close your eyes. Now picture a car. This was easy for David. He's got a whole stockpile. <laughs> picture a car. Take note of the color of the car. Take note of the wheels it has. How many doors. Does it look sporty? Does it not? Whatever. Okay, open your eyes. 
What calendar? Ah, he didn't do it. He fell asleep. Bugatti. Nice. Yes, you went big. Okay. I was thinking like Mustang. Okay, that's a, a Mustang. Okay, cool. Okay, nice. The fastback, soft, oh, soft top. Okay. Keep on. G-Wagon. Yes, you can see you've been in UAE, huh? Yes, see. Oh, yes, see, they all drive that. What did you mean? What did you, what call? The Red Gets. The Red Gets. <laughs> Harris, Harris is a VW Beetle. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> the one with the rounded windscreen and I think it's carburetors and it's got a... And Mel, what did you something. get? Your own car. Your own car. That's yeah. fine. Did you see that you could see something without using your eyes? Okay, now I'm going to shock you even more. I'm going to shock you even more. Close your eyes one more time. All right. Now, now I want you to start thinking about your all-time favorite meal. Whether your mom made it. No, no, just do it. Just do it. Whether your mom made it, whether your Oma, your wife, I don't, but that all-time favorites, that it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, what time of day it is, you will sit down and you will devour that thing. You can, you can smell it now. You can taste it. The texture is in your mouth. Hey, Mel, don't drool. Calm down. Just take, take it easy. <laughs> the taste is in your mouth. You can smell it. You can even hold a bowl in front of you as it's happening right now. Some of us, it's maybe going back to our roots. Some of us, maybe something more recent. Something, yes, he's always smiling. She's chowing that thing. Oh, gosh. She's thinking of Trisha's chicken curry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now open your eyes. Yes, Kenneth, do you, you think of Biscoff? Is that what you're thinking of now? <laughs> Chicken tikka, you were tasting it, huh? Ooh, it was good. With the chips and the salad. Oof, my gosh. But now look at that. Immediately, you had a sense of smell and a sense of taste without using your nose or your mouth. You see, guys, the way God created us is that we are the portal between the spirit world and the natural. This is why we exist in the same way God does. We are three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. Are you with me? The soul is the processor of the interface. It's the interface between the two. The spiritual realm and the natural realm. Right? And everything that we're receiving from the spirit, the soul is the thing that processes it and allows us to make it natural. That's how when someone receives an idea for a new song, that's coming from the spirit of God. Regardless of how it ends up, maybe it could end up like worshiping Satan or whatever, but that initial inspiration came from the Spirit of God. And this thing put it together and be like, yo, let me use these chords and let me put this instrument and all this stuff. And it became something natural. But you see, because man wants to be independent from God, what they do is that to break off that lost leg from the Spirit realm, they hack this thing till the point that it is broken to produce something natural. When we were just supposed to be a free-flowing channel. Are you with me? How do you think that when a chef is putting something together, they know, you know what? I'm just going to add this spice and that spice, nothing more. Why? It's because they've already tasted it. Where? In their heart. We operate the exact same way that God does. All the ladies here, when you're driving home in the evening and you're thinking about what to cook, right? You don't... Think about what to cook when you get to the, the cupboard or the fridge. You already know, okay, one, two, three, shop. It's going to work. You get there, you put it together, it happened. Why? You already cooked it in your heart. Are you with me? When you're trying to solve that problem at work, 
So my thing was always, they always used to tell me, listen, we have to solve this thing. I'm like, I'll tell you tomorrow. They're like, why? I'm like, no, I need to sleep. Because I know when I'm sleeping, this thing switched off everything. I'm listening clearly, right? When I get there the next day, I have the solution. Why? Because I already solved it in my heart. Now listen, this is very, very basic elementary examples. But it's no different with God. Are you with me? You know how many times people tell us, like, yes, like Saturday afternoon, we'll go to a birthday party, whatever, and then they'll be like, aren't you guys preaching tomorrow? We're like, yeah. It's like, what are we preaching on? Like, we'll see. It was Kirk's house. We were at Kirk's, yeah, Kirk bought a new house. So we're busy talking. Yeah, I was thinking this thing, and Kirk's like, what are you guys talking about? No, the message tomorrow. He's like, you don't know what you're speaking on tomorrow. We're like, nah, you know, nah, a little bit. But why? Because we don't have the sermon. Holy Spirit's got the sermon. So when it comes up here, that moment when you say, hey, good morning, folks. Welcome back to church. The sermon's already been preached. Do you understand? This is how God created us, guys. This is how you escape the trap of the sensory. Are you with me? Is that example, like, basic enough? Like, are you, are you trying to connect it in your own life, how this uh, uh, mechanism is working effortlessly? You know, how so many things happen in your heart before they become natural. People want to be like, yeah, miracles and provision, you know. We need to learn how to do that. It's like, well, listen, it's happening every single day. Unconsciously. Why? Because you were designed for that. Are you with me? All God's telling you now is experience these things with him. Just like how you heard the song now. No one played any music. As did you play music. What? You didn't have to be unsure. It wasn't a trick question. <laughs> no one played any music, but you were hearing everything, man. You knew every, hey, grand bass line, drum kit, guitar, vocals, harmonies, everything. Nobody's cooking food here, but you could taste, you could smell. You were already reliving that entire experience. That's what it's about, guys. And this is the thing that has been left off in church now as well. Guys would rather, rather come in here, get the band to hype them up to the point where they are like, Wah! then afterwards run out and say, Jesus is amazing. Meanwhile, they didn't encounter him at all. They just encountered the loud band here on stage and the hype. Why do you think in this church, yeah, no, 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 you, no, you're no, going to no, do a bad yeah. job there. I, I saw it on your face, <laughs> naughty pastor. <laughs> That's why in this church, when we want to get you to connect with God, we say, Shh, shut everything down and listen with your heart. And I see people, when they hear for the first time, they're like, eh. It didn't start with a praise song. Yeah. This is mental. What is going on here? You know, I thought God was noisy. Why is this church telling us to be quiet? Ah, the Bible says, we're just saying, right? Are you guys with me? But this you, is, Can I take it? Are you guys, do you guys get it? That was beautiful the way Bash just explained that. It was beautiful. But now imagine this, okay, because this takes it even deeper. So you can actually sense those things before they happen, or you can sense them in your heart, right? Okay. Now, if God is real, like you could imagine that meal or that car or that song, if you, if God is, if you're so close, so close, so close to God, and you can experience Him and feel Him and taste Him that way, Okay? It doesn't matter what you're going through. Think about it. 
You can be going through uh, a death in the family. You could be going through job loss. You could have been fired or the economy is going down, a sickness or whatever. But you can go in your heart and you can taste his safety, his provision, his goodness, his embrace. You can taste all of that no matter what you are feeling in the flesh. That's what faith is all about, guys. So good. Stand up here. <laughs> but that's how, do you understand? We, we can use a practical example. Last year when I got sick, yeah, I got that funny thing that was floating around for a little while. And, uh, yeah? Convert. Convert. <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and it got pretty bad. I was like, I was literally one foot in heaven, right? And I distinctly remember all of us, we were just like seeking God. We're like, Jesse, what's going on? Yes, we don't understand. You know, doctors are saying everything's fine, everything's going crazy, whatever. And um, there was something that had to happen on my side first, in my own heart, which I'll explain sometime. But there was one morning, he's praying again. He's like, nah, 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 this guy's not going. Hey, he, he, remember he actually phoned me. He said, hey, I know what you're thinking about. You're not going anywhere, right? Had an experience while you were praying. He phones me. I'm like, I'm sleeping 16 hours a day. I've got no energy. My body is finished. I've lost 14 kgs. It's bad, guys. I'm eating like, like one noodle <coughs> a day. It was bad. It was really bad. It, no, like seriously. Like I even remember the one day my mom was like feeding me the noodles, right? And I, I'm emotionally preparing myself to get through this food because I know if I don't eat the food, I'm going to die. So I need to eat, right? <coughs> so I ask her, I say, how many are left? So she says three. But I can see on her face, I'm like, so I look in the bowl and there's like nine. I'm like, why are you lying to me, woman? Because <laughs> I'm like, that's how bad it got. I had to muster up strength to eat, right? He's praying. Boom. All in that moment in his heart. Sees me healthy, back on the tennis court, preaching, playing guitar, everything. It was amazing. Like it was real, right? Bear in mind, I'm still in the bed. I'm struggling with this thing, right? He phones me. Bash, starts screaming to the phone. What's going on? So he's like, I saw you, but I was praying. I felt it. I saw you. You're healthy. You're on the tennis court again. I'm like, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, deeds. Amen. He's like, come on. Let me hear you say it. You are healed in Jesus' name. And he's going mental. I'm like, okay, this pastor is high on something. I believe it. I'm healed in Jesus' name. We get to the doctor. Then eventually, the Holy Spirit tells Trish, go to this doctor and do this thing. All right? So anyway, we get there. Now, he's still hyped from the vision. He's like, wow. He's experiencing it, you know? I get there. I'm falling out the car. He's like, come on, get up, get up, get up. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know? He was like, no, you healed. This is not how healed people walk. I'm like, when? He's, he's still saying to his dad, dad, take me. I said, Harris, leave him alone. Let him walk. <laughs> and then the funny thing was, my mother's like, skiffing Diddy out. You're telling my son, bro. <laughs> but we got to the doctor. Doctor's like, oh yeah, no, we've seen this, no worries. Does the tests, administers all the stuff, whatever. I think it was two weeks, I was back. Yeah, two weeks I was back. Now the thing is this, in a lot of those scenarios, what do people do? They go sensory, right? Even me, when I was sick in that bed, man, I had never felt as close to God like I did then. But the body was dead. I would, I would lie there at night and be like, yo, Jesus. Like, this is amazing. Like, wow. But the body, hey? Like... Help me, what's going on, you know? What's going on? But in that moment, where Deeds was seeking God about what is 
my reality. Boom. God said, this is it. He now brought that into natural. Change it. Boom. Come, boot, get up. Harris, let him walk. He's healed. <laughs> then Harris goes along. I'm like, Dad, I'm going to fall. Hello. Can you just carry me, please? But are you guys getting a glimpse of how God wants us to operate? You see, the minute you carry leaven in your heart where you become the source for that vision of reality, right? You cut off that spiritual input. You cut it off completely. And then all the pressure to perform is on you. All the pressure to make something happen is on you. And you know what the world does? Gives you all the lacquer shortcuts. Use this person. Who cares about them? Get your thing. Just go finance it, but you can, you can afford the installment. Get it on. Nah, man, just take this, this thing here. The side effects is you might die, but it'll fix it quickly. I'm serious. One of the bottles says death as a side effect. Okay, okay you recovered all the bases. At least it there. solves the breathing problem. <laughs> <laughs> but are you, are you guys getting an understanding of the mechanics that are at work in us? If we don't use these things, guys, we are not operating in righteousness. We are righteous, but we are not operating in righteousness. Don't just wing it until you get there. Stop. Take the time and get the vision from God. Take the time and diligently seek him and say, Lord, you know what? I value the fact that you paid with your life for me. I know that I am valuable. You died for me. No greater love has anyone than this than to lay their life down for you. And that's not Jesus telling you to lay your life down for someone. He's saying no one else can do it except him. Because the death he died wasn't just to like, oh, I'll take a bullet for you. No. The death he died, he went to conquer death. Amen? So, so take the time, guys, in any area. No, but you don't know what I need now. God knows what you need. You putting pressure on him doesn't make it happen faster. You know why? Because you putting pressure on God closes your heart more. Because you're not really putting pressure on God. What you're doing is manipulating the bad beliefs about God in your own heart so that you can get to some point of peace. Nothing you do changes God. Nothing. Have a 36-hour prayer meeting. God's not changing. It is finished. Amen? But let's be people who at least agree with the value that God has placed on every single one of us. Let's be people who agree with the value that God has placed on Jesus. Amen? You're empty. That's I'm tapped out. The tank is, tank is done. Did you guys, there was some beautiful stuff that came out tonight. Did you guys get something? Praise God. 